This is the Kowabui Show. Kowabui is an author, international speaker, and entrepreneur. He started his first business selling music CDs in high school at the age of 16. He then went on and built several businesses. He is the founder of River Design, a marketing company that helps businesses get more exposure online and offline. He has appeared on TV, radio, newspaper, and magazines from around the world. He has written and published several books and created various products. Kowabui is also an international speaker, corporate trainer, and speaks on topics of business, entrepreneurship, motivation, health, marketing, online business. You could check out his blog site at www.koa-bui.com. And now, your host, Mr. Koa Bui. Mr. Koa Bui. Welcome to the Koa Bui Show. And today I have a very special guest. I'm really excited to introduce him to the show. Um, his, his name is Michael Lane, so welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Um, so just a quick um, introduction of Michael. So Michael Lane, he is a successful entrepreneur. He's having started about nine businesses and uh, over about one billion in sales through his businesses. Michael is considered an expert in the touring space, having run more than 1,200 events and in the last 15 years as well. Uh, Michael's primary business uh, is Success Resources, which is the world's largest education seminar company, and he's an exceptional leader. He's also got um, he's also maintaining relationships with uh, international speakers and celebrities, including Donald Trump, Tony Robbins, Ro- um, Robert Kiyosaki, Mark Boris, Sir Richard Branson, Richard Br- uh, and um, Grant Cardone, and much more as well. So. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. So, um, yeah, first of all, I'd just like to say it's a real honor to have you on the podcast. Um, I've been you know, in the personal development industry for quite some time, and you've been doing this for about 20 years, and I attended your, um, the National Achievers Congress. Yes. Um, Thank you for time. coming. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic event. So, um, um, just before we get into that, like, I was wondering, like, what's, how did you get started in terms of building success resources? Was it, you know, it was an idea in your head, or it started in your in, in the basement or something, or what was it? What yeah, look, I'm not the founder. So uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Richard Tan, who is a Singaporean gentleman. He's the founder of the company, and he's the chairman of our company. Uh, so I bought into the business a, a number of years ago, but my journey in this business started in 2003, when I started on the phone. So some of these guys behind me are on the phones now, selling courses to Tony Robbins, uh, Gary V, Grant Cardone, those kind of things. That's how I started in the business. So I was a young, ambitious 23-year-old, and I wanted to be around the company. I wanted to be around the energy and the business. And the only way I could get in was on a commission-only sales job of getting in and selling tickets to Brian Tracy. So that was, it seems like a long time ago now. It's almost 20 years ago. But yeah, that's how I first got into the business. And since then to now, there's been a, a very long journey and you know plenty of ups and downs in that journey. But I bought into the business about a decade ago. Okay. Um, before we scaled internationally, I, I've been in when we were just doing two or three events a year. Now we do over 500 events a year. So it's grown quite a bit in the last decade. But yeah, I, uh, I'm a part of a much bigger group of, of uh, I suppose, staff that are behind this thing called Success Resources. So for me, it's an honor to be a part of it. Oh, excellent. Okay, so I can imagine that in the, uh, in the first few years, you probably struggled, right? I think I heard um, in a previous podcast that it took a few years for you to, to get the hang of launching an event. Yeah. I think it, took, it was about two, you, do, you did about two events a year and then 
it wasn't really profitable and then it took a few years for you to get the hang of yeah. making it profitable. So I was wondering, how did you get over the financial uh, problems when you were first starting the, the business? Yeah, look, again, I came and worked in the business on the phones and, and there were people at the time making more executive decisions than me in the business. Mm. However, I've done plenty of events where, you know, financially they didn't make the money we wanted or, mm. or they, you know, struggled to meet the, you know, the targets that we had. So to be honest, even today, we'll run events now where it seems crazy, but we'll go into the event at a loss. And we know that the lifespan of the client will allow us to make profit at some point. Not all of our models are like that, but that's a difficult thing for people to overcome. It's kind of like, you know, you, you run a business, you do the first six to nine months of the business at a loss, and then hope you gain it back up. So it's, it's, it's a tough industry, to be really frank with you. The event that you came along to cost approximately $3.2 million. I have to pay a lot of that out of pocket well and truly before a ticket goes on sale. So then you need a pedal like hell to get that investment back. So, you know, even today, even after 500 events per year, even with 250 staff, you know, there are events that we do where, you know, we know we're gonna pedal really hard and then hopefully if three to six months, we'll get a return on that. So it's a difficult industry, um, but we know our market, we know our client well and allows us uh, to make those kind of calculated risks. It reminds me of what you said um, uh, the other day. You, you said you put uh, you put more emphasis on people over profits. Is yeah. It? Yeah. So could you elaborate a bit about that? Yeah. Look, one of one of my virtual mentors, if you want to call it that. And again, I think in this day and age, we should all have virtual mentors that we connect with, and whether it's podcasts or whatever it is. This gentleman really instilled in me two major things: people over profits and reputation over revenue. That was a really big aha for me. There was a lot of people in our industry who are all profit and all re revenue orientated. In our game, if you don't switch that to being focused on people and on reputation, you will lose long-term. And that's almost for any business. So that's become a huge sort of way or, or thing that governs the way I run my business. I'm super passionate about my people. I know I cannot do this without them. So I put my people over the profit. I also put my reputation over the revenue. Now, don't get me wrong, revenue is super important, but we're 26 years into this. And at some point you have to put your reputation before revenue. Otherwise you can't do this and jag 26 years in a row, right? So for me, I think it pays dividends long-term to build a team and where the people know that they're a major asset of your company. And the market needs to know it. The market and the community needs to know that you know reputation and brand has got to supersede revenue. And for us, that's something that's important to us. You came to an event of ours recently, and I, I had tickets at that event for $39. Yeah, I saw that. Do you mean, if I wanted to profit from that from the get-go, I could have charged a lot more money for that but I'm trying to build a brand long-term, trying to build on our reputation. And that for me will pay us dividends for decades. That's why I, uh, I live by those philosophies. 
definitely I can um, I can definitely attest to that because when I saw the email that came out um, I quickly subscribed to the to the platinum one I think it was about 399 or something or 297 Probably, yeah. yeah and then um, in the email it said that the price will go up within a few weeks and sure it, it did so you maintain the integrity there so a lot of people they try and you know manipulate the system but yeah, yeah look, do that. For, that was really good. And, and, and I, I know a lot of people do that. Yeah. Uh, we're very clear. We're going to start at a really affordable rate. Yeah. We made a decision many years ago to make our education and what we deliver accessible to everyone. When you come out at $39 in Australia for a whole day with Gary Grant, Elena Cardone, Kerwin Ray, and you, you know that there's going to be fair exchanges. $39, I'm not going to muck around and, and try and you know, make a profit on that, so to speak. So for me, we put reputation really important and that's why we're really proud that we can offer stuff at a really low, cheap price, but it is gonna go up. So the earlier you make a decision, the more you're rewarded. I mean, there is, we've got a big event this week here in Sydney with Tony Robbins. There will be people who buy on the day. Now this has been promoted for the last 12 months. And if they bought 12 months ago, it would be, half the price it is today but people will still buy today now whether they're just finding out about it or or how it works is is totally up to them but when you see a success resources event buy your ticket early because i'm trying to help you save money saving money is the first aspect to building money and building wealth so for us we're proud we can offer 39 dollars tickets to those kind of people and uh you know probably every three weeks that price is going to go up and uh, we do that in all of our tickets so the earlier you get in, the and, and the earlier you take the action, the more you're rewarded. Yeah, it goes back to um, your reputation because you've spent years building this up, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're able to get these well-known speakers and celebrities. I think before it was hard to get that traction, but because you've got the reputation, you've got the branding, yeah. um, as you mentioned before in the, another podcast, um, people didn't know who you were, but now you're getting all these amazing people. So another test to, to what you're saying. I appreciate that. And But again, we're in year 26th of this <laughs> journey. Uh, if we didn't have a reputable brand by now, there'd be something wrong. I dare say we wouldn't be in business. So for us, it allows my job to be really easy. Uh, I can go knock on certain people's doors and they go, oh, Success Resources, I heard of them. I'd love to come and speak on your stage. But 10 years ago when I was knocking on people's doors, they'd be like, why don't I, I've got no idea who you guys are. So this gets back to the reputation part. You know, our clients, they turn up, they know they're gonna have a great experience. And that feeds back to the community. It feeds back and that's what builds our credibility and reputation. And that's what allows me now to go out there and find even better talent to be able to bring to Australia and different parts of the world. So yeah, reputation has been super important. It's also meant that we've left money on the table. Do you mean, we could be making a lot more money now in many, many areas, but it's not the number one driver for us. So it's interesting, the evolution of a business model is very unique. In the very first stage, you need cash flow. You need to survive the you know, the, the challenge of the first 12 to 18 months. When you get to year 26 and you're doing over $100 million, your, your, your focus shifts a bit. Now you're trying to preserve the brand and grow the brand for decades to come. It's a different way of running the business. It's a different focus. And you, again, you put your focus on people over profit and you put your focus on reputation over revenue and you look at a long-term macro plan. That's kind of what we're doing. Fantastic. 
Okay, so let's get into the uh, the mindset part of yeah. uh, of Michael Lane. So uh, I can imagine in events, you're, you're all, there's all these things that can go wrong, but you've been doing this for about 20 years and as an entrepreneur like yourself, how do you overcome challenges? I'm just curious about your thinking and your problem solving process. How do you, if a challenge comes up, what do you tend to do? Yeah, look, in the events game, challenges will always come up. <laughs> always, no matter. Um, every event I've had, there's always been a challenge. Yeah. And I think that'll be almost a part of it. You know, there are bigger challenges and there are smaller challenges. So when you understand when you go into an event, there are going to be challenges. Yeah, yeah. You look at it and not that you put your focus on what's going to be the challenge today, but you understand that this is the business we're in and there's going to be challenges. So I go in with a very even-keeled mindset. My attention is putting on how can the client get the best experience today. And for me, soon as they put their foot in that room or on that event, in that seminar, it's about trying to offer massive value. If there's a problem with the chairs or something with the lights, that's stuff that can be fixed. I'm looking to continue to build a really significant brand. That means putting world-class teachers, speakers, talent on stage. Those guys are the real main performers. We're trying to facilitate and harbor and foster education and growth. And when we come into an event, it's about putting our focus on the client and what they can get from it. Now, let's say something does go wrong. It's about trying to not get too emotionally ingrained in the story around the problem. Do you mean, I've had everything you can think of go wrong at an event. I run an event where no one showed up. Oh, really? It's really tough running an event where no one shows up. I run an event where one person showed up. And we had to literally get the speaker from stage to come down and sit down next to the guy. Yeah, I think I saw there was a video where you, I think you booked an appointment with Grant and then there was also um, Gary Vee. Like they all booked it, but now you had the logistic problem. Okay, he's flying over this time and you oh. have to figure all that stuff out, right? Yeah, even, even the, the challenges before you get on site, mm. right? So what you're talking about is a part of a world tour. We're doing 24 cities yeah. with Gary and Grant and some other cool people. And the amount of challenges before even getting to going on sale for the world tour was astronomical. You know, just trying to think of 24 cities with two guys who are super busy with very different calendars, making sure that they turn up in the same cities over the next 12 to 18 months, that's a challenge. So one of the things about me and my personality, I don't get too elated in the wins and I don't get too depressed in the losses. Uh, when you've done so many events as I have, and you've had lots of highs and lots of lows, and you survived it, you start to build this resilience. So for me, a key factor is I don't get elated when we have a good win. Sure, I'll celebrate and have a quick little, you know, pat on the back and, and maybe a, a celebratory drink, but I'm straight back the next day. Same with a loss. If I have a loss, we suck it up, we learn from it, we document the process on what didn't go well, and we move on the next day. So for me, I don't get emotionally invested in the challenge or the outcome or the win. Then if it is a macro problem, if it's a big problem, that's my problem, I try and quarantine that and have myself solve that before any of the team know. Now, there's nothing worse than a leader racing downstairs and saying, everyone stop, we've got the biggest challenge. You wouldn't believe it. That's not gonna solve a problem. So for me, I'll sit with it. You know what I'll often do is I'll sleep on it. Nine times out of 10, the problem sorts itself out at some point. 
or the problem will evolve and some part of it will manifest into solving the problem. If not, then I've got to come and make a decision. But you'll be surprised how often in my younger days I would sit there and go, okay, I need to take massive action and change this and do this and do this. But you'll be surprised, and this is why as well, I don't check emails till after five o'clock. Because emails are just rife with problems, right, and fires. By the time I see an email at five o'clock, there's probably two or three other people who were CC'd on that, who have probably solved it for me. You've got a great team. It, it helps with the team, but it's also the process of letting it just play out, give it some breath, some air, some breathing space, and then make a calculated decision. Too often when I was younger, I was making irrational, emotional decisions, and that did not serve me well. So a key lesson here is take a breath, think about it. If you can, sleep on it. If you're in the moment at an event, Go for a walk, take a quick deep breath, balance up the pros and cons of the decision you're gonna make. And then make the decision and move forward with that decision. So, you know, after having many different challenges, I've kind of seen it all. Um, so it gives me a good bandwidth to go, cool, I've been through this before. He's how to manage through that. Um, but, you know, I often say to myself or, or to the team, I'm like a professional firefighter, <laughs> constantly putting fires out. It's just uh, most of them are this big, not raging infernos. Yeah, yeah. If I were to um, compare you and Grant Cardone, like Grant Cardone, he's really high up there with the emotions and everything, but you're very calm and collected. I remember seeing you at the event at the National Achievers Congress. Is everyone everywhere, is everywhere and just networking, but you're just standing with a cup of coffee, just observing. Yeah, that's my personality yeah, style yeah. as well, right? When I was in my it's 20s. Yeah, I understood how I reacted. I understand the personality types. I understand which one I am. I understand what drives me. I understand what doesn't drive me. So every day I govern myself by my personality style and I know how to respond and react. If you ask Simon or any of the team, I'm not gonna go running around downstairs and no. yelling at someone. It's just not who I am. It, it never has been, and it would be fake of me to go out there and start doing this to somebody. It's just not what I am. So if you understand your personality style and you understand what drives both the benefit and the drawbacks of those, it helps me lead and helps me manage emotions and problems. That has served me very well over the last decade or so. You've brought amazing speakers on stage, and um, but one, one of which is Tony Robbins. And I, I, I hear you talking a lot about Tony Robbins yeah. and and how he's impacted your life. Oh, so yeah. could you share like some of the things that you, you know, that this could go for a long time. Yeah. But look, 2003 I was the was the first time I was ever experienced to Tony. I went to an uh, UPW, the same event we have this week in Sydney. Uh, we only had about two and a half thousand people there. And that was the first time I really spent some time working on me. And that event categorically changed the direction of my life. And I kind of knew that something was, was not right. I knew I was destined for bigger and greater things. And at an event like Unleash the Power Within, when you sit there for very long periods of time, 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. for four days in a row, working purely on you, you're gonna figure some stuff out. You're gonna figure out what you love and what you don't love, what you would love to do and what you definitely don't wanna do. I figured that out at the age of 23. Uh, for me, I was very grateful to be able to be around Tony's work from that age. So look, over the last 
17, 18 years. I've probably done 16 Unleash the Powers in. Mm. I've done probably eight or nine Date with Destinies and, and probably 150 other events with Tony. So whether I'm in the audience, backstage, listening from afar, I'm always enthralled with Tony. I'm, I'm, I'm really, what's the best word? This is a guy who's 40 years into this, mastered his craft, right? Trust me, on a financial level, he does not need to do it. And he's continuing to find little nuances to make his content better, his delivery better, the experience better. This is a guy at the top of his field. And I love who Tony is, I love what he does, and the fact that even though he doesn't need the money, he doubles down harder now, because he knows now's the biggest time to make a difference. So for me to give one, two, three things that have helped me with Tony, um, I probably wouldn't be able to do it justice. If you gave me 50 things and a bit of time, yeah, yeah. that would give me justice. But if you haven't experienced Tony, it doesn't need to be live, it can just be on the YouTube or, or on a podcast. Go sit down and do 45 minutes of content around Tony's work and I tell you it'll be life changing. And that's sort of the, one of the cornerstones of our business is the Tony Robbins brand. Do you know, we've had a great relationship for 25 years with him. Um, in being with him at some events recently, he is not slowing down. This guy is in his 60s, still going so hard, wanting to make a difference. And we love that about him, and that's why he's a great partner. You can see that you're, you're still hungry for, for learning, yes. for knowledge, and um, I think I heard uh, you said that you, you also yeah. in the audience as well, like yeah. in your events. You're still there, you're still learning. and, and I try and do, right. and this doesn't sound like much, but when you're on site, it's difficult. I'm looking to do at least 30 minutes sit down in the audience for a couple of things. I want to connect with the speaker. I want to make sure the talent is still as good as I thought they were when I put them on and did the deal. But I want to sit there and learn and, and feel the energy around the crowd as well. Um, sometimes we've kept speakers a part of our roster for too long and that the message gets stale or it's outdated. I mean, we're in 2019, almost 2020. I started in 2003 where the message was very different. So. Again, to continue to be the best in class, which is the title we you know, arrogantly hold, but we feel we, we deserve, is you've got to continue to raise the bar. You've got to find talent that can bring a new clarifying message that can help change people's lives. That's why we're doing this. So um, I love to be in the room, in the audience, in the seat. That's the best way to experience that. All right, so um, can we talk a bit about visualization? I'm pretty yeah. sure that uh, you visualize all of this. Uh, like not all of it, maybe not the fires, but yeah. some of it, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what techniques did you apply in terms of, like, could you give us an example of visualization when, yeah, yeah of things? And Look, I, by nature, um, I'm a very visual person. Yeah. Uh, if you come into my office and we're having a meeting, I've probably got a white piece of paper and I'm probably saying and drawing at the same time. Not necessarily drawing pictures, but going, you know, numbers and this and that, and we could do this and this. That's, I'm a very visual person like that. Again, I identified that early. Do you mean, there's no point in me sitting down and writing this out if I don't connect visually, right? So I understood that early, I understood what drove me. Every day now I have a process in the morning when I, before I get out of bed, before I reach for that phone, a visualization of my four key areas and my four core drivers in my life and my business. They're the things that I visualize every single day. 
Typically, that's something that I'm visualizing in the next 90 days and the next 10 years. So visualization for me is putting, is, is building it in my brain first, planting a seed in the sub and, and the conscious mind. And it's a very deliberate process. A lot of what you see now and a lot of what you'll see in the future started here, made it to that whiteboard and then made it into a, into a process. And for me, it's been key. I schedule time to visualize. I schedule time to strategize what I visualize, right? I don't leave it to chance. I build processes at 11.30 to 12.30 every day. I'm working with just me and my whiteboard on strategizing what I visualized. So that's a key part of it. You know, there's a lot of people talk about working on your business and that's one thing. I work strategically from a visualization point of view to help build this business. That's where it all, the nucleus comes from. Um, and I've just seen huge results from it. And uh, it's something that I love to do even with my family now. My son, um, we do visualization before he goes to bed. Uh, it's been such a huge tool for me personally uh, that I know if my son who's seven could visualize the stuff that he loves to do and love, would love to become, what impact would that have on a seven-year-old? And if they did that, maybe not if every day, but regularly, what would it look like when he's 15 or 16? And we see it all the time now. We go, great, visualize where are we going on holidays next? What does it look like? When we take off on that, where are we actually going to? What direction? What? And I get him to have fun with it. And, and again, visualization for me is a really fun part of the process. It allows me to connect and see visually where that outcome is, what difference I've made. And it's a huge part. And a part of my little secret weapon of building business is the visualization part. Yeah, I think I saw um, on your Instagram story, you had the four priorities in terms of yep. the areas of your life. I think the first one was health, yep. second one was fam family, family, third was, uh, was business. business, and then fourth was charity. charity right? yeah. yeah, so that's amazing how you've got the priorities there, and then you, it's like what you said about visualization in yeah. those areas. So. Yeah, I'm extremely clear and diligent on where those four areas play in my life. Mm. Um, I'm under no illusion that I can't do any of this without having a healthy body. Uh, I'm no good to my family, the exactly. business, staff without health. Uh, after that, my business, no, sorry, my family is more important than my business. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, that isn't the case. Yeah, and, yeah you focus just on the business. Right? Yeah, and, and that's cool for them. What drives me is doing all this for my family. So I'm very clear in those four. What's interesting is that it doesn't mean things won't change. When I was younger, I didn't have a family. Family wasn't that important, right? I, of course I had parents and brothers and sisters, but I didn't have kids and a wife. So your hierarchy of the things that are most important to you will evolve. So much so, charity a year ago was not even on my radar. It was just not important. I understood the benefits of charity, but I thought when I get old and when things are taken care of, I'll start to give back and do some things. That has completely changed. And in the last 12 months, I've been putting a huge focus on putting resources, money, time, and attention in areas where people aren't providing value. So I'm really passionate about charity and we're doing some great stuff with SR now. In 2020, a dollar from every ticket globally will go to certain funds and charitable organizations where 100% of, not the proceeds, 100% of the money will go to help different causes and, and different things. So that's, we're really proud of that. 
And for me, as an example of that fourth one right now, charity, can evolve and your hierarchy and the things that are most important to you can evolve over time. I love it, awesome. Okay, so um, let's have a look at your, uh, your, you briefly mentioned it before in terms of visualization scheduling. Yeah. Uh, how about your daily habits, like your daily rituals? Because yeah. I'm curious, I mean, I'm sure myself as well, I'm curious about what's your daily rituals? Do you have a morning routine where yeah. you wake up at five o'clock in the morning? Do you meditation? Like, what, I'm just curious, what is the Michael Lane daily rituals yeah. So, yeah look it's waking up at approximately 5 30. Okay. Uh, i'm at a point now in my life where i don't set the alarm but nine times out of ten i wake up before 5 30. so biologically it's just it's kind of ingrained by now also the fact that i travel so much is that sometimes um if i do sleep into quarter to six i'm not going to be you know i'm not going to have a go at myself i'll be harsh for that okay. because because I am on so many different time zones. But my body clock naturally wakes up about 5.30. Before I do anything, I put my attention on those four key areas we just discussed. Yeah. I go deep into what those four areas look like in 90 days, mm -hmm. and then visualization, what does those four key areas look like in 10 years from now? So 2029 is a huge focus for me right now. So if, if you look at things that are resonating with me, it's not even 2019. It's 2029. That's where my focus is. So I like to be a decade from now. That'll be that'll put me at 49 years old. That'll put me at, you know, a, a lot of things that I want to achieve and accomplish and, and put my focus on and solve problems. So 2029 is is the is the key driver right now. I find if I put my anchor so far out that it helps drag me into the moment. So there's a visualization process there. There's a meditation process. It doesn't take longer than seven hours, uh, seven hours, seven minutes. <laughs> and after that, I get up. Uh, I have this amazing collage of photos right by my bed. Uh, it's, a, it's quite a big thing. It's probably both these glass windows. And it's of key photos of my family. And I connect with that. I go through a process with that before I get out of bed. And then I'm up and I'm heading to the gym or I'm heading at least for a walk. That's usually before 6 a.m. Then I get home and I've got key time with the family. Um, I rarely have breakfast because of intermittent fasting and different, different things at the moment. So um, I'm putting my time and energy into my family. I love taking my son to school. That's another key thing that really grounds me is, and, and I think anyone who's got kids, you know, kids will ground you, they'll humble you. They don't care how successful you think you are or you are, they will keep you very grounded. So my son and I and, and my daughter, we have processes and, and plans in the morning because I wanna get out on time. I wanna leave the house on time. I wanna get my son at school on time. And I need to go through these processes, not only because I wanna be on time, but I want my kids to be a reflection. I want them to know that we need to be up at a certain time. We need to be dressed. Don't come downstairs unless you're dressed, shoes on, and you're ready for breakfast. Don't start turning the TV on until breakfast is done. So there's a, there's a plan, there's a process. So my mornings are very much what I love to call the calm before the storm. The calm for me is getting up, visualizing, meditating, putting my focus on those four key areas, connecting with my family, and then heading into the office. Now, the storm in that process, so the calm and the, before the storm, 
The storm is life and business. It's when we rock in here and like you said earlier, there's gonna be problems today. There will be a fire that has to be put out somewhere in the world today. And if I walk into this office before doing the calm part or process, then the storm seems to get out of control. Does that make sense? And then you'll be on reactive mode. I'll be reactive, I don't stick to my process. So I need to find the calm before the storm. And if I find that calm, I can weather the storm pretty well. So that's kind of like my morning routine. I get in here, I've got 14 key slots for business every single day. Uh, those 14 key slots are all managed by my assistant. And she knows that I need key things in there that are gonna help propel this business forward. So when I get home at about 6, 6.30 every night, I've put plans and processes and structure in my day to ensure I get the most out of it. I mean, there are very few blank or vacant slots in my diary. Uh, if there is, I'm probably with the whiteboard thinking about the next idea, the next concept. So that's kind of a bit of a day. That's a day when I'm here. You know, overseas, it can enter a bit. I think you said that you only spend about 40% of your time in the office and the rest of the time you're always out there. It's maybe not, it's maybe not as bad as that anymore, um, but sometimes it can be. I mean, we're coming up to a busy period now. We've got Tony here this week. Then we go to Dubai, I go to Malta, come back, we go to Los Angeles. And I've got a trip to at least two countries every month for the rest of the year. That's when it gets busy and that's when things start to get hectic. So that's why I've got to have a strong process. I've got to have a strong system. I've got to make sure my assistant keeps my diary moving forward despite whether I'm there or I'm in Dubai. And order and structure, again, for my personality is important. If I didn't have order and structure, my day would be chaos. So it's important to have that. Okay, um, I also noticed that you, you've also mentioned a lot about um, having good expectations where 20 years, a lot of people tend to think that I'm going to be successful in about three to five years. But you said, you said that try and, try and look at it from a 20 year angle. Mm. So could you elaborate a bit about that? Yeah, I think, again, I, I'm in my 20th year of business. I started my first business three months ago, 20 years ago. So I'm only saying this with the audacity that I've done two decades now, that's, that's it. I just know that too many people underestimate how much time it's gonna take. They don't truly calculate or budget the actual tenure of creating that outcome. I was the same. By 23, I wanted to be a millionaire. I wanted everything, right? And my plans, you know, were always 12 to 18 months. I'm gonna make it in that time frame, which is just so unrealistic. So. I come up against a lot of young people right now who are going, I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna do it quickly, I'm gonna do it fast, and I'm like, cool, if you do, that's fantastic, but what if you don't? You've put this artificial challenge on yourself to do it by a imaginary time frame. You I mean, your body clock's not gonna expire in three to five years, so why are you putting so much pressure on this time frame? Also, I think people are so governed by money being their number one driver. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs now are starting businesses because they want to make money. And nine times out of 10, you'll fall over if, you, if money's the main driver. So for me, I asked a lot of people, if this is something you're passionate about, you could do it for the rest of your life. 
If that is the case, don't put a time frame on it because the, the three to five years is unrealistic in the first case. Um, it'll take you a lot longer than you think. And if you're having fun, why do you want to give up on it in three to five years if someone comes and pays a billion dollars for your idea, right? So I just think people need to get back to being focused on the outcome of solving the problem and less about solving their financial challenges. So if it's passionate for you, you'll do it for 20 years. And here's the key, right? If you don't see yourself doing it for 20 years, it's probably not a passion. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Therefore, it probably won't work. So if you understand and love it, you could do it for 50 grand a year or 5 million a year. If you truly love it, just, just be patient, let it unfold the way it will. And if you don't give up, you'll probably make it. Yeah, um, it goes to that debate, which is more important, passion or profit, but you just said, pick the passion and, and then eventually, you know, the, the money and everything will come along. As long as you're just passionate about it, right? Because yeah. the longevity, that will keep you going for the 20 years. Yes, but there's a lot of passionate people out there who never make any money. Yeah, so. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of people, I talk about, um, success purgatory right okay. it's this i want to be successful but they never make it they're in this limbo of positive thinking and success and they're in the middle of it but they never get there because they don't know how to actually mechanically take their passion put it into a process and actually monetize it you know this is why i'm i'm encouraging a lot of people right now to not start businesses don't go start that other idea you know Buckle down, learn from someone, do your entrepreneurial apprenticeship. Learn what you've got to learn. And then when you're absolutely ready and convinced and you've got enough years under your belt to become an expert in that, then scale that thought process. I mean, there's too many people going out there, got an idea, crash and burn, and never come back to the business landscape. And their dreams are shattered. Do you mean, I hate nothing more than the, the average cafe on the corner anywhere in Sydney where they come in and this is their first business opportunity and they deck the place out, it looks amazing, they buy the most expensive coffee machine, yet they've never actually done coffee or they have no idea about sales and marketing. They put all their life saving, they borrow money off the family, worst case on credit cards and banks and they get ready, they deck it out and they haven't got a clue about bringing a customer into their store. They stand out their front going, where are people to walk in here? No, that's, that's not a business owner. You've bought yourself a job. So if you're listening to this and you're passionate about an idea, don't go start that idea. Go find who's doing it to an amazing ability. Turn up on a Saturday or Sunday and ask them, I'd love to work for free every Saturday morning for the next one year. I don't want you to pay me anything, I just want to learn. I'll, I'll pick up the rubbish, I'll clear plates, I'll pull you know, drinks, I'll do whatever it takes to learn that process. Find out the pitfalls before you go try and profit. And then that will give you the, the ability and the knowledge to then go make a calculated decision to go, shit, do I actually want to do this as a business? The last 12 months, I don't want to do that as a business. Or maybe now, hell yeah, I want to do it, but I've learned all these key things I need to learn before I go pull that trigger. So that's been a really important process of learning and developing yourself before you just go spend hundreds of thousands trying to execute a goal or a dream without the real fundamentals. Yeah, yeah linking on to what you mentioned about the importance of sales and marketing, 
Um, I noticed that lately you've been putting yourself out there a bit more. You've been doing a lot more podcasting, but you're, I think we were having a discussion a bit earlier that you tend to be the behind the scenes type of guy where yeah. you're organizing things, but you don't want to be on the stage. You tend to want to bring the speakers up there. Um, let's talk about attention because I think um, attention is really important. You're getting people's attention and you're trying to um, regulate that uh, attention throughout the world. So could you elaborate a bit more about how you're utilizing this through technology? And Yeah. yeah. Look, it probably went back to Gary V two and a half years ago mm-hmm. saying, you know, you guys have got no social presence. Yeah. You, you, no one knows who your brand is. Mm-hmm. Yes, in the personal development space, some people know, but most people don't know. So look, we started to put our time and attention on building brand. The best way we know how to do that is by putting out amazing content, sharing with the world what we do, sharing that we have an amazing product at an affordable rate and putting ourselves in a position of being the expert in the space. So February 1st last year was my first video in content. Uh, I hated every moment of it, I didn't wanna do it, but we knew the business had to move forward from a content and a branding and a social media aspect, it needed somebody. And reluctantly I put my hand up for that. As I said to you earlier, I'm not the average person who wants to one day be a speaker and do all those kind of things. I have no interest in being a speaker. I'm very determined and clear with my vision and purpose and I want to put the world's best educators and leaders in front of the biggest audiences on the planet. I have no interest in being on stage, I want to be behind stage. But to do that I've got to grow my presence and the business and the company's profile. That's where social media came in. So if you go onto any success resources page right now, you're going to see anywhere from 5 to 20 pieces of content per day. You're going to see probably 15 stories on Instagram. You're going to have three to five different posts about the three key lessons, the five ways to do this, or 10 steps to do that. And then you're going to, you're going to see some of the products that we're offering. So for one year we've been doing this. We've got attention, we've got some momentum. Now's the time to harness it, now's the time to double down. Gary talks about putting out an astronomical amount of content. He's even saying that he wants to get up to 200 pieces of content in his team going out a day. A day, wow. That's a day. Are you gonna say a month, but a day? No, a day. Now, we're we're not near that. We're, We're gonna get to 20 over probably all platforms soon, and we're growing our team every month. But, and that's, you mean, Simon, Simon heads that up. So for us, we've got some momentum with attention. When you've got momentum, I've, I've lost momentum over the years many times. And, and I was of the illusion that momentum would come at the drop of a hat. You know, I used to do events and we'd have an amazing successful event and I would put my feet up and go, wow, how good was that guys? What amazing outcome, let's just take it easy for the next couple of weeks and then we'll ease back into it. Guess what? That momentum doesn't come back. Momentum is fickle, you need to harness it, you need to double down on it. So for me, we've got momentum right now. That means when we've got momentum, we schedule, we do more, we put more out, we put more content and we go harder. Because I've, I've had momentum, it's fleeting and if I don't capture it, it'll, it'll go. So we've got some pretty cool attention right now but nowhere near enough. We've got a global macro problem we're trying to solve. And I've got about this much attention. I need this much attention. So podcasts, uh, articles, different videos, different content pieces, you're gonna see that 
be probably almost 25% of my day routine right now. Just focusing on that. That's why I'm doing 20 of these a month. So attention is, is massively important and uh, I'm not here to, to let go of it. Yeah, I can tell that you're trying to solve that macro problem. Um, as you mentioned that you're trying to educate the world through these amazing speakers, yep. the education. You, it's not just any business where you're just focusing on just one vertical, you're going wide mm. <laughs> with, with all the technology that you're using at the moment. So, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah, look, we've got many different things. You know, when I first started 17 years ago, we had two events. Yeah. Um, now we've got 500 events. And what's unique about it is that I would say 450 of them are brand new every single year. Completely different. Think about that, right? You think about most businesses have one to two core revenue streams. We do this, we get paid. We have 450 and they're brand new every single year. I need to get that whiteboard and I need to come up with a brand new concept, a brand new way to solve a problem. So what I love about our business is that it truly harnesses the entrepreneurial thinking. If I do the same event as I did that you came to this year, next year, no one's gonna turn up. They've seen it, it's been done. I need to re-engineer, I need to give a new name, a new ethos, a new meaning, a new reason to give me $39 of, of your hard-earned money and a day of your time. So I'm constantly using the entrepreneurial mindset to go, how do I solve this? How do I come up with something new? And we have to do that 450 times a year. That's the entrepreneurial vision. That's the entrepreneurial muscle that we need to build. And if we don't, we die. Okay, so speaking of solving big problems, uh, I think you mentioned that you're trying to reach out to Elon Musk as well. Yes. Right? So uh, could you uh, elaborate a bit more about that one? How are you trying to reach out to Elon? And, yeah. Yep. So whether it's Elon Musk, mm. Jay-Z, you know, plenty of other people we'd love to have, okay. um, there's a process to do that. And you can't just ring these guys up and go, hey, are you available next Tuesday for an event? So a part of my role is I'm always looking for who's the next biggest, the next greatest, the next one with an amazing message that needs to go worldwide. Elon is someone who is probably in the top three most iconic people around entrepreneurship. You know, three different companies, three different billion dollar valuations. Very few people have that. Very few. So that's a unique message. Uh, Elon is almost untouchable. You can't just book him for an event. In it, 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 you trust me, I've tried. Um, so you've got to do, you got to get creative. But I've had many people on our events that said no, or were like, you're crazy, he's never going to do that, or she will never agree to that. And for us, we've got to continue to fill the funnel with who's the next best in class. So it'd be easy just to go, we've got Tony, Gary, Grant, we've got Robert Kiyosaki, Randy Zuckerberg, why don't we just keep using them? But then people aren't gonna come back. So I need to keep finding people and I've got a process I go through on identifying that world-class talent and come up with a process to try and attract them and get proximity to them. And even right now, I'm working on people that I won't, won't be on our stage until this. So, Right now, because we're building a brand, because we have some attention, I can go out to social media and go, hey, does anyone know of Elon Musk? Is there any connection? Is there anyone? And I did that the other day as we were talking and someone came back to me and goes, yeah, I know him, what do you need? And this is the power of social media, right? There's no other mechanism on the planet that will allow you to, at that speed, 
plant a seed, a decision, and have something come back and go, yeah, I've got proximity to him. So it's the six degrees of separation on steroids. So if you're not building your social, if you're not harnessing the attention, you're really losing out and you're really missing a huge trick in trying to leverage social media. Mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, what, what you mentioned about uh, the power of social media, I think you, you were able to reach out to Grant Cardone just purely through an IG message, through a direct message, was it? And then all of a sudden, from that point forward, he's flying over in his private jet, he's invested $250,000 flying over just to see you. So yeah, it's, it's quite amazing on how you're utilizing the social media just to get all these people together. So Yeah, look, yeah, it's, it, social media is such a powerful platform. I can go on right now to anyone and I can send them a message in the next half an hour. Whether they see it, whether they respond is another thing. But I've got the means and the mechanism to be able to do that. So also it's the fact of being able to get this and send a private video and go, Elon, it's Michael, you don't know who I am, but I'm a part of a huge community of entrepreneurs who love and adore what you do. They'd love you to share for 45 minutes your lessons. He may see that and connect with it and go, well, it's just not another DM. It's a video that captures attention. It's visual, it's auditory, it's, it's everything, right? And, and that's where social is really powerful. And I would even challenge people to take social to another level. Don't be passive right. in it, right? Be proactive, go out there, connect with five, five to 10 different people every single day on who you wanna do business with. I tell you now, if you do five to 10 people every day, by the end of that month, there'll be three to five people who come back to you in some capacity, right? So use it, but again, don't just be passive, get the video. Every single social media platform right now has a video or voice component. Do you mean it's so powerful? Why do, why do text when you can do voice? Why do voice when you can do video? Do you mean, it's just massively important. I just did a thank you campaign to all of our uh, top clients who came to an event recently. For every single one of them, I sent them a voice recording, an actual personalized one. And it would have been easy for me to get the team to send a generic email, but it's just not personable. It's just not memorable. I wanna, I wanna build something that's memorable. So, you know, I sent them all going, Hey, it's Michael. I just want to say a huge thank you for coming. I know you took time, energy, money out of your day, and I don't take that for granted. I want them to feel it, right? I want them to, to get some passion and understand and go, wow, Michael actually cares. Do you mean, yeah, I know they're doing hundreds of events. I know they've got 400,000 people to come to events this year, but he sent me a voice message. That takes all of two hours for me, but the goodwill created from that might mean I've got clients for life. And if not, I might have a client who goes, you know what, that Michael Lane and Success Resources, they're pretty good guys over there. If you wanna to go to an event, I recommend their event. There's an ROI on that that's not immediate, but it'll pay you for a long, long time. And that comes back down to social media. That comes back down to having attention. That comes back down to scaling this with not putting an intention on getting an ROI today. Yeah, look, I get asked this a fair bit, and my answer is always the same. I love how Tony Robbins talks about taking your challenges, problems, and even your goals off yourself and putting them onto your community. And my answer is always the same. I love how Tony Robbins talks about taking your challenges, problems, and even your goals off yourself and putting them onto your community 
or your company or your or humanity. What I mean by that is too many people coming to our events and too many people are putting their time and attention on what can I make this year? What, how much more money can I make? Can I, can I get my business to this? And it's all about them. I love how Tony says, why don't you take that focus and put it onto your staff? What can I do to grow my staff this year? Who can they become if I have an amazing 12 months with them? And I spend time, I, I connect, I relate, I help them with their business challenges. What could happen to them? But then after that, what happens to your community when you put focus on that? Do you mean, number four right now is charity for me. That's very deliberate, very strategic, is that I wanna start helping people. Now, I'm gonna do that for the next 20, 30, 40 years, and I know that's gonna make a difference in my community. But then you got Tony Robbins saying something like, after you made a difference in your community, what can you do to make a difference to humanity? Wow. Now, that goes a long way from humanity to wanna make 400 grand this year. Huge difference in focus, huge difference in energy and attention, huge difference on putting people over profit, reputation over revenue. And for me, that's the phase we're just starting to come into now. It's been 26 years, but we're starting to get into the humanity phase. And we're no, by no means like Tony. He'll serve a billion people food this year. We're not, we're not at that stage. But we're gonna start to do our little thing and start to put our attention on that. So after 26 years of business, after almost 20 years in business or over 20 years in business, I've had a lot of advice in many different areas. But when I started to put my attention off me onto my staff, community and humanity, things really started to amplify. So if you're listening to this, get off you. It's okay if you wanna go, you know, who do I wanna become this year? Not how much I wanna make. That's like 1990 stuff, right? We're in two, almost two, 2020. Who do I wanna become to go out and do amazing things? Who do I wanna help in my, my business, my community? And what's the macro challenge I can solve? If somebody starts putting their time in and focus on that, watch the results that come in. Fantastic. All right, so we appreciate your time, Michael. Thank you. And um, yeah, I wish you all the best for your future endeavors. I'm sure that um, you know, you'll be out there, you'll be changing the world in no time as well. And um, yeah, I'm truly honored to be interviewing you today. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Thank today. you, appreciate right. it. Thank you.